There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and wonderful to be back with you again for yet another week. And today we're going to talk about thinking the high performance way with my guest, Andy Gilbert. But before we talk to Andy, um, I'd love to say a, a big thank you to uh, Peter Thompson. I was on holiday last week and I decided to replay uh, one of my favorite shows, uh, which was on informational products with Peter. Peter was uh, quite an inspiration for me as I used to listen uh, for many years to his Achievers Edge program. And uh, I, and I really was a privilege to get the opportunity to get to know him and interview him. And I think what that recording really does uh, say to you, if you're in business, uh, if you're around, you know, in, if you are sharing in the area of education and uh, you are um, educating people, then informational products are an absolute must. And then he shares with you how to do it. So uh, do listen to that. I'd like to say thanks to Rob Holcroft, who dropped me a note to say how brilliant the show was. So thank you, Rob. And also there's a, a lovely link here with my guest today, uh, Andy Gilbert, because the first time I ever heard of Andy, Andy was actually on The Achiever's Edge with Peter Thompson. So uh, that fits together really nicely. So how would you like to develop your thinking so that your performance stands out from the crowd? If you would, then believe me, you need to listen to this show today. Um, Andy Gilbert, we first met face-to-face about eight years ago, and to be honest, I was quite in awe with the sharpness of his intellect, and I still remember that meeting really clearly as though it happened only yesterday. And it turned out that he'd created a results-focused thinking system which is now used globally by literally hundreds of thousands of people. He's the founding director of Think On Global, and he's been the driving force behind a very values-driven company that he founded in 1996 until very, very recently was known as Go Mad Thinking. He's written over 20 books, including his seminal work, The Art of Making a Difference, and he's critically acclaimed solution-focused coaching, as well as presenting over 200 video and audio programs relating to leadership, personal development, and organizational change. His services have been deployed on 11 international assignments on behalf of the British government. He sounds a little bit like James Bond and uh, EU in the former Eastern European countries. He's he's regarded worldwide as one of the most prominent specialists in organizational change and restructuring. He's really highly demanded as a speaker, as a facilitator. And I should also like to mention that he and his team have created a system called iChieve, which I've been tinkering around with for the first time this morning, and I can see it becoming a really significant part of my own working. So a big welcome to my guest today, Andy Gilbert. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. And uh, I also have a connection with Peter Thompson, as you mentioned, in that I actually made 37 videos with Peter uh, going back a few years now and have shared the stage with him many times and would totally endorse him as a a bit of a genius in what he does. He is is an absolute genius, isn't he? Um, Probably one of the the, leading experts in the world when it comes to informational products. Right, so where do we want to start today? So what, do you want, what do you want to know, Chris? <laughs> I, need, I can sense the interviewer coming out in you already. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, let's just start with um, where your passion for thinking came from. Where did it originate? 
Um, I think it probably started about 20 or so years ago, and uh, I was working as a, uh, a change management consultant uh, specializing in large-scale um, restructuring, mergers, acquisitions, and uh, I realized that when people had change imposed on them as they were employees in large organizations, they very much felt uh, pretty powerless um, when it was being done to them, and uh, it affected their thinking. And their thinking affected their actions, and their actions affected their performance. So I could quite clearly see uh, a critical link between thinking, actions, and results. And I became interested in that. Um, and I, I did a, a large piece of uh, academic research around about 120 organizations, essentially looking at what, why do people feel the way they do when change is imposed on them. And I realized that a lot of that was a, a base basically, on the things they were thinking. And those thoughts caused feelings. And, you know, I, I was studying that. Then um, I set my first business up in uh, 1997, uh, in January. And I started to do a piece of research after I'd done my master's degree uh, around the nice side of change, which is that's when people are in charge of their 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 lives, their, their goals, and they pursue the change that they want to make. And that's the, about the making a difference. And what's quite interesting is people think differently when they take charge of their lives to make a difference. So I was contrasting the downside of change where it's imposed on you and people's thinking patterns to the upside of change where people are empowered um, or allowed or take responsibility for making a difference. And I just started noticing the difference there. And then I did a bigger a non-academic research study, which we'll come on and talk about, uh, where we went round for the best part of 14 months, spent 4,000 hours doing interviews, um, which essentially was about how do you think when you're successful in achieving something. So that was a long answer to a question. It started about 20 years ago, and it's carried on since then. Excellent. It really got me thinking about a couple of scenarios over the last week where I've been with people who've had so much change being imposed on them that they're almost unable to think at all. Uh, and, well, uh, sometimes people get paralyzed yeah. because, you know, what, what happens is they, they, they think inside their head. Um, and when you think inside your head, you predominantly do four things. Um, you remember the past, you imagine the future, and you talk to yourself in questions and statements. And when those four elements combine, um, they can be either helpful or hindering. So when change is imposed, people can go, I, I feel helpless. There's nothing that I can do because they're imagining they can't do anything and they're talking to themselves in a way that is disempowering. So those thoughts cause inaction. Uh, and then you lock up. So, so how did um, the, this concept of Go Mad then and, and now Think On Global, how did that come about? Well, that came about when uh, I did the, the research and um, when I set my first business up, I've always been a big advocate of coaching. Uh, and my definition of coaching, by the way, is just one person asking high quality questions to help another person's thinking. And I was helped by my coach at the time called Tim to uh, think about what I wanted for my business. And... Um, I said, well, I, I, I believe I need a mission statement and a vision statement. And he looked at me and he said, Andy, why don't you have a passion statement? Mm -hmm. You seem a very passionate guy. Why don't you have a passion statement? And I said, great, what's one of those? And Tim, my coach, said, 
I don't know. I just made it up. <laughs> so I said, well, how do I write one? He goes, well, why don't you write down everything that you're passionate about? So I wrote about 70 or 80 words. And, and you've been around to my farm and seen those words you know, etched in top of, on top of the, um, the crystal table that we have there. Yes. But the, the last three words in that passion statement, as it became known, were making a difference. And those got abbreviated to MAD. And, you know, that one of our first brand names was about helping people to go mad, helping people to make a difference. And what, what then happened was I, I wrote a best-selling book uh, called The Art of Making a Difference, and that sold a couple of hundred thousand copies around the world. We started, it's then started to be used as um, development programs in large-scale businesses. And so the MAD came from making a difference and the abbreviation there. And as we used it more and more, I got asked a question in 2003 by a guy that caused me to think because he asked me a great question. And the question was, what is the widest possible use for this framework, these key principles that you've got? And after about 30 seconds, it dawned on me that actually the widest possible use of it was as a thinking system because everybody thinks and the quality of their thinking varies. And if you follow these, the principles, which we'll come on and talk about, uh, around this, what we now call the results framework that is based on the research we did about what people naturally do when they're successful, you cannot help but increase your probability of success because you've done some thinking that will lead to some action and um, you know you can then implement that action to improve your probability of success. So that's how it all came about. And then more recently, you know, this, this is being used in over forty countries. We've got a global footprint. You mentioned some of the software, iChieve, and we've got some other bits and bobs. And you know, we can give your, your listeners access to those freely if you want to uh, at the end of the show. Um, we said we, we really want to make, you know, to quote Steve Jobs, uh, a, a dent in the universe to help people think in a more effective and high-performing way. So we've got a global vision uh, about helping people to think on. Excellent. Well, I know that you know, one of the principles of this show I'm always interested in, too, is talking with people who you know, are making a difference uh, in their communities, in their environments, and actually they've got a kind of caring side to what they do. And we had a recent interview on social responsibility with the vice president of, of Ritz-Carlton, Sue Stevenson. And next week, uh, Chris Putnam-Walkley is talking to us about giving. But I know that's a value that's deeply ingrained in what you do. And I just wonder if you might tell us about your approach. Um, you might also, if you've got time, share a little bit about Poker Face, because that's something that really sticks in my mind. <laughs> cool. That's a, that's a reminder. That was a few years ago. Um, okay, let's work back from that. What, what I typically do uh, every year is set myself some challenges. Now, I'm not the sort of person to say I'm going to climb a mountain or I'm going to run you know, a marathon. I like to set myself mental challenges. And one year, my mental challenge was to enter and win a TV show. And it just so happens that uh, in the UK, there was uh, a couple of very popular people called uh, Anton Deck, um, and uh, they had a show called Poker Face. And it was a psychological show where um, you had to put hindering thoughts into the minds of your opponents whilst essentially keeping a helpful mindset yourself. And I thought, <laughs> that is right down my street. <laughs> so um, I went on, you know, it was the biggest um, audition I have ever gone through in terms of application. There was about 10,000 applicants. I got down to the last 36. I went on one of the shows and, and I won it. 
um, and won a considerable amount of money. Uh, and then um, uh, it was about sixty-five. It was sixty-five thousand pounds, and uh, I decided that. Um, I could make a greater difference in other people's life by giving it away. So I, I set myself the criteria to help a thousand people by giving them £65 each. And that became my challenge and my hobby, really, for the next 18 months. And, you know, there was various criteria, like they, they couldn't just waste it on something or just give it away to another charity. It had to be used to make a difference in their life. And, um, you know, that's how I carried that on. Um, and, but that was just for 18 months, and that was a few years ago. You know, more recently, uh, I, I made a pledge to my local community to train a 1,000 volunteers as community coaches in Leicestershire, the county in England where I live. And uh, we're about a third of the way doing that. And, you know, we provide all the materials, the books, the software, the training for free so that people can help people um, to think in their community. You know, I think it's something that's important that, that you do give back uh, the things that, you know, you've gained. Wonderful. And do you find from, from actually that giving that you also gain in other ways? Yeah, but you don't do it for that reason. You know, you don't look for the gain. Sometimes it comes back it's in nice. to totally surprising yeah. ways. And for me, the satisfaction is um, if I can help somebody learn something to help their thinking be more effective so that they can achieve greater performance and their goals and they go on and either share that or teach it or use it through coaching um, or facilitating groups um, to make a difference and achieve greater success. You know, that's, that's the payback. Hearing the stories that, that come back. I couldn't agree. That's very much the premise of, you know, why I do this show. And, uh, and you write this, it's the, the, the lovely stories that come back, which make it all worthwhile. Um, so let's go back to thinking uh, again. Yep. Um, tell us about your solution-focused thinking system and, and how you found that it improves performance. Okay, so th there's two elements to this, really. The first I've alluded to already, and there's a framework that I call the thinking effectiveness framework. That's got four components that are either helpful or hindering. Um, and um, this, this, for me, is a bit like... Um, Imagine that you have uh, in your head a special effects department, right? And you've got four levers, and you can pull these levers in different ways, and they influence the way you think. So one of them is your imagination. Imagine that you pulled that lever, and you can imagine a helpful future. You know, you could create things in your mind as if you were creating a movie, you know, what sort of movie would you want to have? An action movie or an adventure maybe. But some people use that to create a horror movie in their head. Yeah. They imagine the worst, right? And they don't get given the special effects manual uh, for, for that. So that's one element. The, the second element is really about their past and memories. So when you think, you recall things from the past, um, and, you know, that can either be helpful if it's been successful things, great helpful memories, or it can be hindering uh, if you're remembering a time when you made a mistake or you weren't successful. So for me, it's always about being very conscious for myself when I'm thinking. The most high performance way I can think is to focus on the most helpful elements, things I can imagine in a helpful way, things I can remember in a helpful way. And then it's the way that I talk to myself, the statements that I give, the, the way that I talk about my own uh, abilities, the way that I talk about other people, the way that I talk about situations uh, that I encounter in life. And then fourthly, and probably the most important, it's the quality of the questions that I ask myself. 
You know, if I'm asking high-quality questions to either solve problems or work towards achieving my goals, I'm working in a very lean, efficient, high-performance way in not wasting any questions. And it's the design of those questions linked with the results framework, which I'll share with you shortly, of seven key principles. You can use that as a thinking framework to ask questions around and imagine the future. Combining those two things together gives you a system, right, that you can use day in and day out to improve basically any aspect of your life. Excellent. So, so very, very, it's very, very complementary. There's, uh, there's a way of thinking there. And then there's uh, the second bit we're going to talk about is a step-by-step process towards achieving what you want to achieve. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, not so much a process, because I want to explain that a process is linear. You do A, then B, then C, and then D. Whereas actually, if you've got seven components that are based on success principles, it's understanding the relationship between those components gives you a framework or a system. And you you understand the interdependencies between those components. Got you. We're going to go to commercial break now, but after the break, we're going to find out more about this, um, the effectiveness uh, model here, and then we're going to start to move into the framework. So do join us because there's some really, really powerful content that could uh, make an enormous difference to, to what you're doing and trying to achieve. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Gilbert, and we're talking about 
uh, thinking the high-performance way. And before the break, Andy was sharing his solution-focused thinking system and saying that we had like a special effects department in our head and there were four levers, imagination, past, way I talk to myself and quality of questions. And in the break, we were just chatting and thinking, how was the best way to... Uh, talk about that in this next stage and Andy suggested I might like to be a guinea pig and uh, help to demonstrate this so I'm going to hand over to Andy for a few minutes to uh, to lead this sort of process. Okay here, here we go then Chris so um, I'm going to invite you to think about improving your performance okay and I'm going to just invite you to maybe think about uh, in tripling your personal performance in an aspect of your life. Okay. Okay, what thoughts go through your head immediately? Well, actually, uh, a different subject to the one we talked about in the break, probably around the financial performance of my business. Okay. It would be great to, great, doing okay, but it would be great to triple that. Okay, so tri- tri- triple that. Okay. How easy is it for you to imagine tripling that? It's, it's quite easy having done it before in a previous business, but in this environment, um, I feel a little bit of resistance to it. Okay, so So let's just profile your thinking there. You said you could, but it's easier because you've got a past recalled memory of something similar. Yes. So immediately, I started to notice that you were talking about a recalled memory. Yes. Although I'd asked you to imagine it, your more helpful memories were from the past. Yes. So therefore, what I could do is to help you think about those past memories and then take them into the future. Okay. And you, you also said a statement that was not as helpful as it could possibly be. Absolutely. Okay. So if I was to invite you to pull those special effects uh, levers, what is the most helpful statement that you could make about tripling your financial performance? Maybe, maybe that I will triple it. I don't know how. Uh, uh, okay. Was that helpful or hindering that last bit? Uh, the last bit was, uh, well, actually, I think the way, the way it sounded a bit unhelpful. However, it was almost that I will do it. However, I'm actually kind of opening up. Yeah. To so possibility may, to maybe, again, just a possibility if you were to add the word yet onto yes. the end of that yes. statement. Yes. But I don't know how to do it yet. Yes. Is a more helpful statement. So what I'm doing here, Chris, is I'm just analyzing. As I hear you say a sentence, I'm asking in my head, is that helpful or hindering predominantly? Because it can be a bit mixed. And if you were to make it more helpful, what could you possibly say to yourself? And therefore, you can make it even more helpful. You know, as you repeat those sentences and the way that you talk to yourself in your head, you know, you create grooves in the mind, as I call it. Um, basically, you know, neurological pathways form and you create habits, habits in the way that you speak to yourself. And that can be about your performance. It can be about your own ability. It can be about the past. It can be about the future. But when we, when we speak, very often we don't notice consciously whether or not our statements are helping or hindering us. And what I'm suggesting is, as a little tip, if you just stop yourself half a dozen times a day, five or six times, and just go, what's going on in my head? Is it helpful or is it hindering? That statement that I just said, how could I make it more helpful? All right? Now, that's just one out of those four components. If I then said to you, what's the most helpful question, Chris, that you could ask yourself about tripling your financial performance, what might that question be? 
Um, maybe maybe it's about what are the what are the different ways that I could enable that to happen. Perhaps. Okay, right. So, the good question. Let's now make it a great question. Instead of what are the different ways, which is very definite focused, just by changing that question a little bit and saying, what might possibly be ways of tripling it? Can you see what's happened now? The focus of the question has been designed from a different way. Instead of focusing your mind on what are the ways, that's very definite, you've now got to make decisions, right? By using words like could, might, and possibly, you could open your mind up. And when I talk about question design, I'm really focused on what is the purpose of the question designed to do. Open the mind to possibilities and ideas or focus the mind onto definites or priorities. And sometimes people don't realize, very often people don't realize that the way that they're designing questions could be more helpful. In other words, the phraseology could be be more high quality with regard to the purpose and the intent of the question, open or focus the mind, right? And the way that it is structured. That's quite, quite interesting. Uh, word, some, a word like could, yeah. if somebody was, was coaching you, might seem like you're not committed or because, you know, I could do it. Uh, that's a statement. Okay. And you're right. But if you go, well, what could you possibly do? So if I was to ask you some questions, no need to answer them now because we haven't got time. But I'd say, um, who could possibly help you with building a, a plan to, to triple your financial performance? Um, uh, what could you possibly consider doing more of? Okay. Um, how could you possibly find ways that you have not yet explored? Again, all those questions contain words like possibly, could, and might. And they're designed to get you to think more freely and open your mind. Whereas some people will say, oh, I can't triple my performance. And as soon as the, the brain gets that instruction, I can't, the subconscious part of your mind goes, okay, no pressure, no work for me to do. I haven't got to work because you've, you've given me a poor instruction, right? Why don't you change that statement to a question, um, one of the, the techniques that I use a lot on my training programs and business improvement programs I run for organizations is teaching people that when you've got a problem, that problem is normally stated in your head as a hindering thought statement. I haven't got enough time to do X or I can't do Y. Instead of making it a hindering statement, change it to a helpful question. What could I possibly do to ensure X is completed on time? How could I possibly um, free up time to do Y? And think in questions rather than statements. And then you can answer that question 20 times. And this is called the 20 answers technique. The, the bit of software that you've mentioned, I don't know if you've discovered it yet, but I, I've programmed in there over 500 perfectly phrased possibility questions designed to cause you to think right about a whole range of subjects and you can answer those loads of times you know you can email me and i could add ideas in and collaborate with you to help you triple your financial performance if you want to so 
it's i tell you what i get passionate about this if i could only share one thing with people it would really be about thinking in high quality questions right to cause you to move forward i think that that's hugely valuable for people because i i guess the in the starting point of most things is is a question isn't it and if that yeah. question is empowering it, it can either limits it opens up the scope or it it limits its possibility let me give you an example. A few years ago, I was invited down to London to um, uh, facilitate the exco of a bank. This is the executive committee just before the board, essentially the people that run the bank. And um, it was a four-hour meeting. And uh, for the first two hours, I was an observer. And this is what I asked to do. And all I did was I wrote down every single question that was asked out loud right, by the chief exec and the senior officers in this bank. And there were 26 questions asked in that two hours and when i looked at them i was really looking at their intent and their phraseology and six questions were perfectly formed and designed well that meant that the remaining 20 questions ranged from either okay to not very good at all but of course you've got 11 people in this meeting and their energy and focus is on answering questions so if you're asking poor or okay questions you're going to be doing a certain level of poor or okay thinking because the brain isn't being focused or stimulated in the right way. So what I did then in the coffee break was I rewrote those 20 questions, same subject, and I ran the next two hours of that expo. And boy, did we get better results because they were doing better thinking. But they were only doing better thinking because my questions were better quality than the ones that had been asked in the previous two hours. Now, if you then imagine that those people leave that meeting with better action plan, that is going to ripple down that organization because better quality thinking is being done at the top. That's correct. I, I don't, I'm sure you've you know, been in that situation. I have where I've seen questions being asked in those kinds of meetings actually quite leading. Oh, yeah. And they're designed to lead, lead the group down a certain path that uh, yeah. somebody's decided is the right approach, but that yeah. might not be the best way of thinking of the yeah. best solution but equally you know you and i know that um we've also been on the receiving end of a great question haven't we yes. where it's taken us back and go wow great question you know i believe it's almost like an art form to design a question you know in in the most helpful way i think it was einstein you know once said uh, and i'm paraphrasing here if, if i only had an hour to solve a problem um i would surely spend the first 55 minutes determining the proper question to ask for having done so, you know, I'll be able to answer it and solve the problem in less than five minutes. So here's somebody that's acknowledged as being a genius, uh, thinking about spending such a disproportionate amount of time constructing one of the, the questions. You know, and, and then you, you might look at Walt Disney and other great, great um, people about visioning, seeing the future and using imagination. That's another one of those thinking components. But anyway, we could talk all day just about four components that will either help or hinder you on a thinking effectiveness model. That's your special effects. We can. So let's, let's talk about the Think On Results Framework. You know, top line, um, maybe we could uh, have a look at maybe three, the first three principles before the break. We've got about seven minutes, I think. Okay. So um, this is based on the research that I did back in uh, 1998, 1999. Studied 4,000 people, interviewed them, filmed them, audio recorded them. And essentially the question that I was asking was, what is the simplest way of explaining the success principles that these people are naturally using 
when you know they achieve what they want to achieve and the first three of those principles are around focusing on what you want having clearly defined goal in other words uh, and for me there are f- there are four types of goal defining that you can do you know people talk very often about smart goal defining a specific measurable achievable relevant time scale but beyond that there is qualitative goals things that you can measure in terms of um, quality of relationship or it might be team morale, team spirit. It might be about feelings, happiness or confidence. So you need a, a way of defining goals there. Another goal-defining technique might be, be about visioning, you know, imagining the future, one of those components. Uh, and then there's another technique that I developed called umbrella goals. So whichever technique you, you need, and I believe that people need all four in their toolkit, this is about clarity. If you want to achieve success, you need absolute laser-like clarity about what you want to achieve. So one of the key principles, key principle two, is having a clearly defined goal. The first principle that underpins that is about having a strong reason why. This is about desire and motivation. It could be a towards motivation. It could be an away from motivation. But if the going gets tough, you know that you need to keep your motivation high. Okay. The third key principle um, that completes this little uh, trilogy is about self-belief. Now, this is about what goes on in your head. It's about it's about those four components that we talked about earlier. This is the, the mindset. This is about saying, do I believe I've got what it takes in order to achieve this goal? So, in the words of the Spice Girls, can you remember the name of their first hit single, Chris? Uh, can you remember how the catchy chorus went? Uh, one on one, that, that one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I'll want, tell you what I want. What do you really, really, really want? Yeah, that, that was in 1996. I did my research in 1998, okay? And the Spice Girls had beaten me to the first two key principles. They go, I tell you what I want, that's a clearly defined goal. What I really, really want is a strong reason why. Very good. They, they then spoilt it by going zigger, zigger, okay? <laughs> but if they'd have gone, I tell you what I want, what I really, really want, and then I'll check my self-belief it's achievable... That's the first three key principles of the results framework, right? Do not proceed beyond those three principles, right? If you haven't got clarity, you can't be bothered and you don't believe it's achievable. You'll just be wasting your time and potentially other people's time. And how do you, how do you find, oh, I think it's best for people to really discover those deep whys, the deep whys, I, I think you ask yourself what I call the heart to hearts question. And this is where you don't answer it out loud to impress anybody. You just think about what it is you you might want and go, honestly, in comparison to everything else I've got going on in my life at the moment, how much do I really want it? And what am I prepared to do differently or sacrifice in order to get it? It's a comparison to everything else you've got on or that your other goals and ambitions. And most people, if they answer honestly to themselves, it only takes them a fraction of a second to honestly know that. Yes. And if the answer is that they, they don't really, really want it. Yeah. 
uh, uh, but they're pursuing something because they think it's the right thing to do, what do they do about it in that situation? Do they need to well, reprogram how they think about it? No, park it. Park it. And choose, take responsibility, and we'll come on to that after the break. Take responsibility to choose and say, no, I have not got a strong enough reason why to achieve that. However, if it is to please somebody else, know that that is your real underpinning goal. It's not to achieve what you think the, the output goal is. Your goal is to please somebody else. Now, you might be able to do that in another way. If you're working in an organization and you find yourself constantly at odds with the goals of the organization or what your manager uh, is telling you, you know, you're, you're doing work that's probably making you unhappy. And at that point, you have a choice. It's quite helpful, I think, isn't it, to think that you've only got so much life, uh, sort of life energy, and you might as well be using that time appropriately because it's a gift, isn't it? Absolutely, and we'll come on and talk about, you know, planning priorities and use of time afterwards. Excellent. Well, I just um, we've got about a minute and a half before commercial break, but I just wonder on on that point three. So we we know very clearly why we're maybe very energised around this. We've got a, a clearly defined goal, but. How do we make sure that we've got the self-belief to carry it through? Okay, with self-belief, I would go back to the thinking effectiveness uh, model and start to notice about what are you saying to yourself? What are you imagining? What are you remembering? What could you be saying to yourself that's more helpful? What could you be remembering from your past of achievements and things that you've done? Others that have said things that have said to you in a helpful way. What could you start imagining and breaking it down into smaller chunks? Because to break a big goal down into smaller chunks can increase somebody's belief. Yes. Right. Um, and it's a combination of those things, looking at how big the challenge is and taking small mini steps. Now, the good thing about having small goals is that inside your head, various you know, neurotransmitters start kind of like working and dopamine, the happy juice gets released. You feel good because you're having short-term wins. So there's a, a, there's a physiological thing happening that is good for you to break something down. And that gives you some recalled memories and it can create increased self-belief. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break. And after the commercial break, we're going to come back and talk about the the next four principles. You don't want to miss this. Um, Come back again in just a couple of minutes and we'll be uh, joining you again uh, just then. Thanks very much. Speak to you in two minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of The Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who'll be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. 
tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading Conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Andy Gilbert, and we're talking about the Think On Results framework. And in the first section, we talked about the first three steps, which is uh, what do you what do you want, um, and the second step, which was um, clear defined goals, and then uh, having the self belief to uh, kind of carry it off. Um, Andy, do you want to share with us the the next four principles? Okay, the the next one is really key. This is about possibilities and priorities, and Possibility thinking, designing great questions, right, to explore a whole range of ideas. When I did the research, um, uh, I realized that there were 10, predominantly 10 questions that kept coming up time and time again. Um, And these were exploring, um, I'll I'll run through them, possible things to do, tasks, Remember, by this time, you've got a clearly defined goal. You know what you want, what you really, really want. You've checked your self-belief. It's achievable. And you're now starting to think, what possible tasks um, could, could help me? What possible resources? Um, reasons to involve others. Um, and then who could those people possibly be? How could I possibly uh, communicate my goal with them? How could I possibly influence and get buy-in uh, from them? Uh, how, what are the possible obstacles that might be useful to consider, the barriers, the hurdles? Um, what possible risks and implications might it be useful to consider? Uh, how could I possibly overcome those obstacles and minimize those risks? And what possible assumptions might I be making? That is the toolkit of 10 questions that are good for any goal. So when people can learn them and, um, you know, teach their kids, teach their employees, teach their team those, what you get is a, a start of a toolkit of very high quality questions to do things wider and more robustly than people would normally think about. And that's what we call the possibility thinking phase. You know, when we work in organizations, we we sometimes, you know, say, right, in the next hour, we're going to generate a thousand possibilities. And it's all to do with the quality of the questions, knowing that when you've got a thousand possibilities, you only need one or two of them to create a breakthrough. 
a breakthrough in thinking and you know you can do innovation programs and projects using this so possibilities first then comes priorities okay and this is really focused on from all of those ideas all of those things i've considered in relation to my clearly defined goal which of those are the most important those become my priorities obviously if you haven't got a goal you can't prioritize and then it's about setting a time aside in your planner in your diary to actually work on those things that you've just determined as priorities so that's the second the, the fourth key principle really possibilities and priorities linked with that is the, the key success principle about involving others sometimes people believe wrongly that they've got to do everything themselves no the most successful people in this world involve others and they involve people that are better than them they involve people with more knowledge people that can support people that can help them so involving others can be the most lateral thinking part of this whole framework it's not just people you know it's you know who do you know in the high wide world you know search engines who has ever lived you know i've quoted einstein already you know i i i could go back and you know we 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 could talk about people from um ancient greece you know i could we could talk about socrates you know socrates once said i cannot teach anybody anything i can only make them think so you know the ancient greeks have been doing this for thousands of years knowing that thinking is important so involving others a uh, fifth key principle sixth key principle um is personal responsibility this is about understanding that you have choices and in in from a psychological perspective what's referred to as the locus of control is inside you not external so a lot of people blame the government they blame the weather they blame the traffic queues or instead of doing that and having him hindering thinking about that you say what could i do what will i do to move forward you know what's the difference i want to make how can i do it how can i choose to involve others so personal responsibility accountability to yourself making choices which includes how do you choose to spend your time and that's the sixth key principle now all of those six that i've covered already are basically the thinking bit of this this thinking system but thinking leads to action So the seventh key principle that we discovered from a results perspective is you have to turn that thinking into action. So the seventh key principle is called take action and measure results. And again, if you're taking responsibility for having a clearly defined goal, you can do that. And if you're not getting the results that you want, come back, check, do some more possibility thinking, involve some different people, maybe even redefine your goal, check your self-belief, change your thinking, look at your reason why and motivation. So, if I was drawing this for you, I would draw it in a pyramid, right? With three on the bottom, three in the middle and one at the top. The one in the middle is personal responsibility. The one at the top is take action and measure results. And you know, if you, if you go onto the website um you know you'll you'll see the framework and um you know you can start to use it. Brilliant. Brilliant. <clears throat> and Andy that's uh, hugely hugely valuable. And um I I'm um sort of interested because sometimes we've got goals and tasks that we really don't feel like doing and uh, you're someone who gets a lot done. Um and you know this is a personal interest on me I've written a book about it. What strategies do you apply to keep yourself continuously making progress um 
review, being very self-aware and, re, you know, reviewing. You know, I don't achieve all of my goals. I achieve a lot of them. And sometimes I stop doing my goals because my reason why has diminished. Mm. And I've got a stronger reason to do something else. So by doing reviews and using the, you know, the Think On Results framework as a diagnostic tool, I can do checks and I can say, well, what's my belief like now? What's my reason why? Um, who might I need to involve more? Let's reprioritize. Um, I think it's also about, it's about taking personal responsibility and saying, I've got choices. Um, I don't have to carry on doing what I've always done. I can choose to have a new goal, but I can also, if I've got various goals, they can't all be equally as important. And I have to choose where I spend my time. So, for, you know, I've written 20 books and um, I thought earlier this year I was going to write another book. But because of other priorities that happened, including, you know, rebranding the company, um, creating more digital um, products, I actually chose to park that goal for another year. Right. And that was a choice. So you, you look at the seven key principles and say, if, I've, if I'm weaker in my goal, my reason why or my self-belief, it's telling me that I should perhaps change it or park it. Mm, excellent. Well, just uh, interested there, you know, you've written 20 books, which by most people's imagination is just an enormous quantity. I know they're so rich and full of content. Um, why would you want to produce another book? Um, because because uh, it, it, it's, it's a book about a subject and it's about leadership thinking. And uh, I'm partway through interviewing um, a series of chief executive officers, uh, CEOs, and the book will be based on profiling the way they think and particularly the questions they ask and how they imagine. So it's, it's looking at that thinking effectiveness framework from their perspective. Uh, and then introducing it into the the leadership programs that my team deliver. Excellent. Now, th thank you. Now, for someone setting up a business, you know, you've you've been you've got this very successful business you've been working on since '96. Um, so you've got so much uh, many ideas and thoughts. So, what would be your tips for them to you know really get their business moving quickly like you did? Okay, uh, I challenge you on the word quickly. Okay. If we said uh, to get them moving, their business moving effectively okay. or efficiently, because you can move quickly, but you can move quickly in the wrong direction. Sure. Right. So my, my biggest tip would be invest time in thinking. So go back to those four components. Design the highest quality questions that you can. Right. Or use other people's great questions. You know, go to iAchieve or, you know, get a coach to help you with your thinking. Right. And then start answering those questions. That would be one thing. Invest time in getting absolute clarity about your goals. You know, is this a short term goal? If it's about a business, what sort of business is it that you want? And by what time period? Uh, is this going to be a life, uh, you know, kind of like a, um, uh, what, what do they call it, a, a lifestyle business? Or do you want to grow this and employ many people? What's your ambition? Link it with your reason why and check that out. So my, my greatest tip would be don't dive in to do things quickly. Invest time in the thinking, right? And then take action based on better quality thinking. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Sometimes I think the... You know the bit that people find particularly hard is the is the thinking, 
but actually they, they're always itching to get into action. Yeah. I think I've done oh, it yeah. myself, you know. I, I would say, you know, so many people want to jump in and go, how do I do that? Instead, they should be going, focus on the what and the why. What is it that I want? How much do I want it? That's the reason why. Check your self-belief, then do the possibly how could we do it rather than the definite how. And would you recommend doing that with, with others, you say, coach or? I've always been a big believer in coaching. You know, um, uh, you know I, I run coaching programs, I write coaching books, but I've had my own coach. I've had various coaches over the years that have helped me with my thinking. And now, if, if I'm in my office for, for a, a few days, um, early morning, about 8 o'clock, I'll invite one of my team to come in and coach me, to ask me questions to cause me to think in a different way. Brilliant. We've got, um, we've just got about a minute or two before I need to um, close the interview down. But I just wonder if you've got, um, I mean, that seems, that seems like a great final message almost, but do you have any, you know, any specific final message that you'd really like to leave us with? I think it would be that um, if you go back to, again, another kind of like ancient philosopher, Marcus Aurelius, who said, your life is what your thoughts make it. So from the history of time, people have realized that thinking is important. And I believe that the greatest advantage that individuals and organizations will have in the future is the ability to outthink or think creatively, or think in a high-performance way in comparison to others. So for me, it starts in the head. Thinking, action, and results. If you run a business or run a team, don't assume that your people have the thinking skills to make the most effective actions. Don't take it for granted. I would say do a 1% challenge. 1% of a 40-hour week is 24 minutes. Could you invest 24 minutes in doing some great, high-quality thinking? Most people go, yes, I could. Andy, you've absolutely, I'm, I'm completely convinced. And I think uh, what you've shared today is enormously valuable for people. And you, you mentioned there about, uh, not about be, be doing things quickly. It's about you know, being efficient. And uh, you know, these methodologies and tools that you've created with your team, I think, really do help people and they'll make an enormous uh, difference so thanks so much for being on the show i should be studying this one myself for a while uh, which i think for me suggests it's been a really great uh, time invested and i'll be showing this widely um so thank you very much andy i hope you've enjoyed being on today it's been fab thanks for having me as a guest and uh, uh, i hope it brings benefit to everyone that listens to it wonderful and you want to find out more about andy gilbert and how he could help with your organization go to www.thinkonglobal.com that's thinkonglobal.com and to gain free access to lots of andy's high performance thinking tools go to www.ichieve.com that's i c h e v.com and if you've got any questions or feedback on the show i'd um, love to hear from you it's chris at chriscooper.co.uk and on next week's show, we have Chris Putnam-Walkley uh, talking with me on how to develop your giving strategy, whether you're a small business, whether you're a, uh, a corporate, whether you just happen to have uh, millions and millions of uh, pounds or dollars in the bank. And Chris advises these, uh, this huge variety of companies, including the Packard Foundation, on how to give. So do join us again next week. And once again, a huge thank you to Andy Gilbert.
We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.